Hi, I'm Todd McGowan, film professor at the University of Vermont, and I've written on film, and uh, I've seen Annihilation. So, <laughs> the qualification. <laughs> We're very, very lucky today to have uh, Todd McGowan with us. Uh, this is on a new podcast, Estranged. We were going to say last time that we would stop introducing our podcast at the beginning of every podcast, but it's what we started to do. Uh, we talk about a film each week and uh, theoretical ideas that arise in that film. And as I said, we're very, very lucky to have Todd. Both Adrian and I, uh, I think the first book of yours I read was Capitalism and Desire. Yeah. yeah and as uh, so I said to you yesterday, first book I've read in the last wow, 15 years. That's honestly, really, really nice. <laughs> so clear, so, so many implications for one's own life in a weird way. Um, and so important to our current predicament. Well, yeah. thanks. Yeah, That's nice. <laughs> and we also kicked into high gear because this is what maybe our tenth episode, and we already have Todd on the episode. So we, like, we, yeah. I know we've only we've only released four. I have been very bad at releasing podcasts. Yeah. I don't know if you ever expected this, but uh, you have a groupie of fans that I've introduced your work to in Monterey. So if you ever see people <laughs> listening in Mexico for some reason, yeah, that's that's okay. That's your okay. responsibility. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about annihilation. Right by Alex Garland, and I guess the theme that we thought was an interesting one to talk about is death drive. It's omnipresent. It's omnipresent, absolutely. It really is the kind of the thing that first jumps to mind, uh, theoretically. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about what death drive is? Sure, sure. So I think, so death drive, as you know, was first formulated by Freud in Beyond the Pleasure Principle, but in a way that he didn't fully come mm-hmm. to grips with himself. So he just, he, what's in, what's interesting about that is he started out talking about repetition compulsion mm-hmm. and the way we repeat unpleasant events. Mm-hmm. And that was surprising to him. And then he, he develops out of that this notion of death drive. And at first he thinks it's returned to the inanimate. Mm-hmm. And I think he kind of sticks with that his whole life. And it takes Lacan and then Zizek to say, wait a minute, it's more, he was more onto it with the idea of repetition Mm -hmm. and the repetition of some loss or failure Mm -hmm. and the insistence on that repetition, that Mm -hmm. that's more what death drive is Mm -hmm. and not some strange drive to return to inorganicity. And and so I think that's the, that's the the key thing, but also tied to that is a Mm self-destructiveness. So the way in which you repeat failure and loss is by self-sabotaging your projects. And I think that's, to me, that's the idea of death drive that everyone can relate to because everyone's done this unconscious Uh self-sabotaging. In fact, it's almost hard to think of times in which you've avoided it. Absolutely. So that's that's how I think of it. It's the unconscious Mm self-sabotaging that's repeated. Yeah. I think you... uh... You illustrated this so clearly in in capitalism and desire as well. Our tendency to self sabotage, and why, in a way, there's kind of a logical reason for it in relation to the lost object. Right. right. Why um, we want to maintain the fantasy that there is something that could make us feel whole and complete or return us to this kind of oneness, and that if we actually got the thing that we've decided is the lost object we'd realize it doesn't exist and it's almost more traumatic. Right. And that's why I think that's why there's actually more enjoyment attached to loss than to acquiring because in loss, then you really are experiencing the object Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as loss. But when you get it, you realize that's not it. I mean, everyone's experienced that. I think you've, Especially within capitalism, it's so easy. <laughs> like you think the purchase is going to be it, and then it's just a stupid thing. Yeah. My my son has a, a tendency to buy packages, and when the packages come, he doesn't even open them. Like it's just the he knows th- the it, secret. It, he knows that there's nothing <laughs> to them, but yeah. yet he compulsively buys them. Absolutely, uh, and he can't wait to get them. But yeah. when then when he has them, just having the box, he knows it's not yeah. going to be anything. Yeah. So I th- I do think that that's the key: is that it's the loss of uh-huh. the thing in which we're actually closest to our object. Yeah. rather than when we get it that's when we're furthest away so that's why i think there's this real that we're really drawn to loss in that way absolutely do you think that's more pleasurable just like that retentive thing of just keeping the box there without i mean you know what's inside but well that's an interesting thing so i think that i would 
want to say there's an opposition between mm -hmm. enjoyment and pleasure, but I think you're right. It's a way of sustaining the sure, possibility yeah. of pleasure by not opening the box, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. then you yeah. think, wow, if I opened it, then I could really have pleasure. So I think you're right. There is a pleasure attached to keeping the box closed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because like, um, I think our friend Elliot interviewed you for Elliot and Pizza's podcast, The Fundamentalist, and was talking about how in a way, um, capitalism design was sort of health, self-help self book. Yeah. And the funny yeah. thing is, it's like, Often we think on the surface, you know, the most capitalistic subject is the person who perpetually succeeds. But almost, right. I, th I think this is what, what he kind of means by that, is it frees you up to realize that success isn't a fantasy and you could just go about doing things. Right, and then right. almost the people who are most caught up in capitalism are the perpetual self-sabotage. Right. <laughs> yes, right, I think that's yeah. right, yeah. Um, that's uh, fascinating. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's definitely yeah. an interesting one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, in uh, this film, Annihilation, and even the, the, the name Annihilation is right. an interesting one. It's an interesting right. one in our contemporary condition. I mean, it's kind of like a. Do you think? I, I mean, just the, the pure premise of the film. Mm. Do you think it's what it's? What does it stand for for you? Like ecological disaster, or there's some of that. Yeah, yeah. I think that. I think as a bunch of us talk about this of uh, how the Anthropocene is sort of like a, an era where humanity becomes a geological factor yeah. that all of a sudden is affecting the environment. Right. Okay. So I think that's a pretty interesting thing that is very well uh, exhibited in the film yeah. because you have these like sort of like uh, abstractions of or mixtures of different types of biological uh, beings and like it's, do you have like people turning into flowers or flowers growing right. in like right. a body form so I, I thought that was a very good example of that just like mm -hmm. humans becoming yeah one of my yeah. I thought one of the most disturbing parts of the film is when Tessa Thompson I forget her name and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she decides to go off and just become a flower yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> and I yeah. thought I mean I understand that yeah. impulse but yeah. I, I I hate that impulse really it is true it's I found it really like, really yeah, she upsetting said, she says yeah. something like I, I don't want to die like those other people yeah yeah you, like you the psychologist wants to run away from it and you want to face it i don't want to do either of those things yeah. and then she just goes into i have to say there's a really horrible image in my head right now and this is probably speaks to my weird mind but you know the the image that i have in relation to that is like the likes of the twin towers and the people who decide to jump right and there's something right. you know that you have those events it's interesting there's a tower related event in london two years ago that really touched on some kind of like real aspect and it represented so many narratives for different people. This tower in a in a like a, a council estate block Grenfell Tower, but yeah, there's something beautiful of the uh, the image of the falling man. Right, you know, but right, right. It is totally disturbing. Yeah, <laughs> You're kind of yeah, confronted yeah. with this choice of like burn to death, burn or to death, or fall to death. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I do. <laughs> it's like yeah. a little side right, like no, I think that the film constantly yeah. presents you these two alternatives, yeah, yeah, yeah. both of which are worse. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know, and it is actually. Well, I guess it's like a it's a it's a horror film in it a is. way, yeah. sci-fi yeah. horror. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that it's beautiful in a way that a lot of horror films right. are. Right, Alien, you would never say is a beautiful yeah, film. Yeah. I mean, that's the famous sci-fi yeah. yeah, horror yeah, film, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's not beautiful it's in the beautiful. way that this. Yeah. Right, there's a many scenes that are yeah. just amazing. Even yeah. the most disturbing when they cut the guy open. Yeah, and you see the thing. Even yeah. that's there's a certain beauty. Yeah, there's an aesthetic to it. Apparently, sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say, I think that, so the way that Freud talks about death drive is like this, the natural flow of life is to be inanimate. And that there's this circuitous sort of path towards life, like human life. Mm -hmm. And that repetition is just sort of like the, pav the pavement that, like it's like the continuation that is necessary in the temporality of that uh, accidental sort of life happening. And I thought it was very interesting in the film that when the psychologist, uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh and, and uh, Natalie Portman are talking, uh, she starts to explain like repetition and she says mm -hmm. like, not all of us commit suicide, but all of us do commit uh, self, uh, self-destruction. <laughs> right. So mm -hmm. through different things, just like sabotaging your work mm -hmm. or a loving right. relationship. Mm -hmm. But she says, I think you're better off, like, or you would be better explaining it since mm -hmm. you're a, a biologist. biologist. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wondered about that scene and she, well, Natalie Portman says, I don't understand why my husband wanted to commit suicide. Mm -hmm, yeah. And then Jennifer mm -hmm. Jason Lee says, you, you've made a mistake. There's mm -hmm. a difference yeah. between suicide and self-destruction. Self yeah. And But I, I wonder about that because 
I wonder if that's an error on the part of the film that mm-hmm. that biology has self destruction written into it. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I almost think like there's this opposition between the like maybe the event is just evolution confronting mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe that's what the mm-hmm. shimmer is, and then when it interacts with with the subject, that that turns to create self destruction in us because mm-hmm. there are. The beings in there are not self-destructing, yeah. right? It's yeah. only absolutely. It, it's only yeah, when humanity goes in and gets exactly. inserted that it starts that process. Do you know, this is an interesting thing that we've we've talked a few times <laughs> about uh, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's quite an interesting figure. And also the likes of people who are like evolutionary psychologists. And I think he kind of, I'm not sure if he aligns himself, but he talks about, you know. The oh, most, I think he definitely is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it, it is interesting because it's like, you know, I suppose that's maybe where the film gets it right. That like humans in some way aren't natural or like we're a deviation from nature. Right, right. So yeah, the, the likening us to, and it, as you said, well, there, there, are, there are the animals in the shimmer who are like sharky crocodiles and all this kind of stuff. But they just but evolve, evolve fine. Right, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Right. They don't like, they're, they're growing, they're becoming. Until, until the bear or whatever mm-hmm. kind of bear eats one of the, one of the scientists mm-hmm. yeah. and eats her at the moment that she's in fear mm-hmm. and then he develops some kind of like sound but it's it's fear it's just like asking for help or right. but then it's right. like it's like a but does the does the bear experience the thing well, right i think but that is a key right like that's the way in which i thought human death drive infects exactly. animality yeah, okay. i yeah, thought that was a really great moment do you think do you think that is why at the end the alien sort of accepts the grenade and just keeps it and wants well, to like right i yeah. think i actually i'm 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 fascinated by the end because yeah. i feel like i mean we're jumping <laughs> to the end, but that's okay um i feel like I, when i first saw it and i'm not sure that i maybe maybe i still have this reading that she uses her own the death drive to destroy mm-hmm. yeah. the invader because yeah. the invader can't like it can adapt to everything except this failure of adaptation, yeah. which is death sure. drive. Like, I yeah. think that's what death drive that's is. That's really good, yeah. uh-huh. It's the failure of adaptation. And yeah. so when she hands the grenade to the alien, the alien just mirrors everything yeah. and doesn't can't take in that this is not part of the evolutionary adaptation. Yeah. This is the destruction. So there's like yeah. a glitch there? You just gets kind of stuck there? Well, I think there's a, almost a, an opposition between the evolutionary system and death drive and yeah, i think this yeah. comes back to your peterson point like yeah. it, there's a way in which the whole structure of subjectivity yeah. is at odds with yeah, the yeah. evolutionary system and so to explain humanity by yeah. other animals well, it's, it's, it's just, like it seems backwards absolutely. it would have to work the other way yeah. like explain humans animals by human self-destructiveness maybe yeah. then you can understand something about how evolution as you said maybe goes awry or mm-hmm. or doesn't you know like that going awry has to be part of it yeah. yeah there's a there's a quote that i saw yesterday that i really like because there's a difference between like the indifference of the universe that some mm-hmm, people talk mm-hmm, about yeah. mm-hmm. and that you know we're just mere specs or whatever and so conscience <laughs> sort of like takes it further than that she says she says uh, we are mere perversions or strange pleasures of the inanimate itself that we don't contribute to the harmonious whole we don't yeah. even do that but we are constituting its ticks and grimaces I thought that was pretty. Yeah, yeah I like. Yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. film is is yeah. a is yeah. an execution of that idea. Yeah. I think really, really. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think about the idea? I mean, I the part that I find most scary is the doppelganger. Right. Right. And there is something kind of uh, horrifying uh, about you know we're talking about you know you'll talk about identity the other day about the failure of identity and that we are completely alien to ourselves and we are I mean this podcast is called Estranged but we are like not ourselves and there's something profoundly traumatic about that within capitalism and capitalism kind of reminds us constantly that that we aren't us yeah um yeah do you have any any yeah no i think that that's interesting in the film right because you're you're constantly confronted i mean even the 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 most traumatic thing for the natalie portman Mm -hmm. character or lena is that she thinks her husband has come out yeah in fact he's He's in, like yeah, he's yeah, yeah. In, like yeah. the, the person that's come out is the alien. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like that that when when you confront the doppelganger, I think you confront your own self alienation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's what the film is really good at, mm-hmm. like that 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 duplication is really a duplication that then 
forces you to confront your own unconscious yeah. because that's the thing. Like it's it's both a duplicate of mm-hmm. you and it's a stranger to you at the same time. And the fact at the end that they don't even know if they're the doppelganger or not. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a question. Although I think we, aren't we, do you feel like we're sure that she's not the doppelganger? At the end? Yeah. Well, her eyes sort of... I know, there's a thing in her eye which makes me curious, too. But there is... It's interesting because, you know, it's like how that scene is edited with the... She does pass out for a while, but that I don't think we see the doppelganger ever becoming... You know... No, because we see the doppelganger blow up, Yeah, exactly. We do see that. Yeah. 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 Isn't this, in a sense, like a scarier or like a better... It's it's more horror than like the thing because in the thing that happens where they get the double gangers but they just I don't know they have like this instinct to kill rather than right, death drive right. because at the end what happens is that the two double gangers mm-hmm. they get together and they hug each other and it seems almost like what they learn is not just this destructiveness but this repetition mm-hmm. so maybe they get into their relationship again that is maybe like self destructive yeah, right yeah. right I mean in a way like the whole thing starts because of the destructiveness of the relationship yeah right? absolutely right? yeah mm-hmm. no, this uh... although I, I I wonder if do you feel like that's an error on the part of the film that that she, that he only goes because she's cheated on him like yeah. I wanted it to be he goes because they have a nice happy marriage like we talk about this quite a lot about um how there are things that seem almost theoretically right but like not quite yeah but also there is a slight element. Because you raised this point when we talked about La La Land, about there's a scene in La La Land where they have their first dance and they're in the the um, observatory and it's like they are alone in the universe yeah. and the universe is like aligning together. Yeah. There's always something like pompous and wrong about the idea that like one, your relationship could cause some great event, you know, that you're right, there, like this right, is right. these mm-hmm. particular people, you know, have this impact on the world or the world responds to this relationship. Well, I mean, I that's know, Titanic, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah. The, because they get together, that causes the iceberg. I mean, literally, it's yeah. fascinating the yeah, narrative right. of the film. When they have sex, right then the, the ship hits the iceberg. Bam. So, yeah. 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 yeah, that's interesting. I know Titanic is like a really... A really fascinating one. Yeah. I also can't believe that James Cameron. You told me this. I was like, no, this is surely not right. But there's four avatars coming. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He will never. He said, I will never make another film that's not Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. Wow, he said that. Yeah, yeah. Avatar is. Uh, I have some friends who like Avatar. I like Avatar. Yeah. You don't like it. I just thought it was so. I mean, it was so long ago since I watched it, but I thought it was just so corny that I. You thought? Did you think it was Dances with Blue People? Like it was. Yes, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, it, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I can't really remember it. Here's what. Here's either. the one thing I like about yeah. Avatar, and I think this redeems it for me, is yeah. that there's a sense of they they have this bond with mm-hmm. the the oneness of mm-hmm. the natural world. But then he calls on this Iwa, this mm-hmm. goddess of the natural world, and then she takes sides. And mm-hmm. I love this idea that nature could actually take sides, yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than nature being this harmonious yes, balancing yeah, 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 thing. Yeah, exactly. So for me, yeah. I thought that made it all, you know, that kind of redeemed yeah. all the horrible things, things about, about it. it. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I had a thought about, you know, the idea of um, returning to oneness through the lost object and the idea yeah. of like returning to an inanimate thing. So obviously when we are, and I could be completely wrong about this, but just a thought I had, when we are, you know, infants and uh, before we know what we want and our primary caregiver, you know, says you're hungry, eat, you know, we're, we're effectively yeah. inanimate. Right. And so the idea that the lost object could return us to that state of oneness is almost that that is something but that's like death in and of itself it is like yeah, the sleep, yeah. sleeping beauty character for me is like so beautiful that she doesn't have to have subjectivity right I, but i don't you think that's the fantasy like that's that, the fantasy right, yeah, that's yeah. The so, fantasy. so that's the difference is the fantasy is to return us to some inanimate thing Right, but that actually to be alive is really is to and to be a subject is to not is to already not have, have lost that, that. Yeah, because yeah. but I think it's key that there like I think there was a whole strain of psychoanalysis that mm-hmm. focuses on the breast and the bond yeah, of yeah, the yeah, child yeah. with the breast. I think that's to completely to be dismissed yeah, because yeah. it creates the image that there really was this pure Yo, bliss yeah, yeah, yeah. that was lost or exactly. some kind of relate like. Being in the womb yeah. was like I think we should think of being in the womb as suffocating exactly. and horrific. Exactly, and, all, you know, all and some kind of like yeah, it is kind of horrible. Yeah, it is it's like horrible. You're dead. Right, you are like like, like, sort of like dead. why is there a difference between the womb and the tomb? I mean, yeah, like they're they're true, very actually. similar. That I think. is actually very true. Yeah. I know it's. Uh, yeah. Is that why you think that Lacan makes this 
he he makes death drive sort of the undercurrent for all of the other drives. So yeah, Lacan talks about like scopic drive and anal, oral, and invocatory. Uh, but then he says there's yeah. only one drive, which mm -hmm. is the death drive, exactly. right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. So actually, the death drive, in a way, we're avoiding inanimate. So it's almost it's almost the reverse, reverse of, of what Freud thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like right. a. I wonder life-giving death drive. <laughs> yeah. It, I think yeah. that's real. Yeah. I mean, Alenka, yeah. you mentioned Alenka, because I think she does say something almost exactly like that, mm -hmm. that it's a life-giving, mm -hmm. that the death drive is what's life-giving yeah, for absolutely. us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, about, you know, because somebody can hear the term death drive and think that it's just like, you know, like in the movie, the suicidal mm -hmm. tendency. Yeah. But I wonder if you mm -hmm. can talk about sort of, not the bright side, but... Sort of like the life-giving aspect of... No, I think it is. I mean, I think it's the thing that's... It's it's fecundity for yeah. us. Like, it's the thing through the repetition, that's how we generate... And through the failures of the mm -hmm. repetition, that's how we generate new... Everything new that we ever do or mm -hmm. have. So yeah. I think it really... I mean, I, I often wonder if it's unfortunate that we use the term death drive. Yeah, sure. yeah. You know, like, I, I, do, I do have a thought of... I mean, I, I do have a fear that that's a mis... Misnomer. That the term is yeah. kind of a misnomer, and it just comes from Freud's initial yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. And maybe something like repetition or even just drive. And yeah. I think a lot of times people will just say drive yeah. and not say... Death drive. But so mm -hmm. I really like the idea of, you know, enjoying your symptom and your symptom being, you see, you know, in the kind of medicalized mental health thing of seeing a symptom as something to like quash or to get rid of, to, to get heal, rid of. right. But actually, it's what makes us us. Right, right. And also the idea of, I don't know if I'm right about this, but you know, the idea of like don't give way in terms of your desire. Yeah. That it's both an invocation to like continue revolving and to. You know, to, to realize that you are revolving around something, but then to continue doing it. Right, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think this ties to your idea of the, the productivity of mm -hmm. death. Like mm -hmm. that that repetition also is the thing that generates everything new that you have in your existence. Yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. not just a stale repetition yeah. of continually always the same thing again uh -huh. and again and again. In fact, because precisely because it doesn't work, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like I think repetition, if it succeeded, uh -huh. then it would just be I'm just repeating yeah. the same thing successfully. But because it fails, I have to fail in a new way. Yeah. Uh, uh, Slavoj Zizek likes to say, likes to quote this line from Beckett: "Fail uh -huh. again, again, fail, fail better." better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So absolutely. I think. I mean, yeah. what better means, I'm not sure. About yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do think that that's true. Like fail, like find ways to yeah. fail yeah. Is, is a nice absolutely. way to think of it. It's interesting in the, I guess, in the line of work that we're in, which is like producing artistic, artistic products. <laughs> you know that, and this is, I think I told you yesterday that um, to realize that in the failure is the success, you know, and that whatever you produce is not going to be some fantastical thing that will return you. And you don't even want it to return right. you to this death place of right. not having to be uh, like a thinking subject. Right. So just to produce and to put it out there and then that's that. And then by dint of just producing, that's the thing. I know. Yeah. It's, don't you think it's amazing the the films that fail or the yeah. directors that fail yeah, yeah. but they fail in such production and, and yeah. you think like wow if they just like i always think yeah. this about orson welles like yeah if he just had had the money and the yeah. time they didn't take the films away from yeah. him but in fact the fail the fact that he couldn't quite Quick. do yeah, what he yeah, wanted yeah. to do that's what made the great film it's so almost like as well gj has that point about the woman who has is 10 pounds overweight right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's always like illusion that if only i had a bit more time and budget it right. would have been amazing well yeah. i always think there was this there was this uh, girl when i was in middle school who looked just perfect yeah and no one ever wanted to go yeah, out with yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Was, you felt bad for her because exactly. she was just like perfect, yeah, yeah. perfectly attractive. Yeah. There's just nothing wrong with yeah. her. But it made her not only unapproachable, yeah. but almost undesirable. Yeah. That's true, actually. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a part in the film that I wonder if you have any thoughts about or if you theorized on it, that they talk about the shimmer and the, I think it's the, the anthropologist. Tessa Thompson, mm -hmm. yeah. she says that it's not so much that the radio signals that are, you know, they're trying to communicate with the outside. It's not that they're being canceled, but that they're being scrambled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, distorted, so, I think, anyway. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because everything's being refracted. Refracted. That's yeah. like, it's a, she says we're like, it's like we're in a prism, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wonder, I don't know if you thought, I thought the same thing. It's just like, 
it's sort of like a refraction of language yeah. and of desire. Yeah. Uh, and like if there's a sort of like an equivalent to the shimmer bubble uh, in, you know, in, in real life. It's language. Like yeah, mm. language. Yeah, language. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Although <laughs> that's, that's really cool, except it seems... At odds with the notion that it's this pure evolutionary, th- you know, like yeah. it, it's like yeah. the shimmer is pl- is functioning in different ways, right? Like mm-hmm. it's because yeah. it, on the one hand, it's it's what it, it almost is what lifts them out of language and yeah. makes them yeah. unable to communicate. Sure, and yet it's the thing. I think you're right. It's this distorting element, which mm-hmm. which is like that's what language does. Is that is that what you're saying that? Uh, you know, the true horror would have been for them to go back to just like a happy marriage because there's just like this inability. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. I just think, yeah, I just, I always felt like, why show the affair? Like the affair just killed it for me because, yeah. because then it's perfectly explicable why he mm-hmm. would go in. But if mm-hmm. it would be so nice if he just went in because everything was great. Yeah. And then he went yeah. in. The affair yeah. is the 10 pounds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because we were talking about this yesterday and I, we had raised this in a, in a couple of podcasts before about why film is so good at expressing ideology. Yeah. And there's something about... You mean in a negative way, like it's ideological. It's ideological. And also sometimes sometimes it's... Well, we were saying there's some films that are so ideological and some that like... Explode ex- ideology. Yeah. yeah, they represent ideology. And they, the yeah, they kind of expose it and explode it. And, yeah. But in a way, you know, there's things like... Because it's like a technology and like technology, there are these kind of like expectations and rules. And sometimes, you know, like things like the affair, you know, having a motivation for a character to do something right, like an inciting right. incident or whatever. And right. um, but yeah, just sort of discussing like why film can be so ideological. And I think the point you were making was it's this kind of great edifice in a way that other artistic forms aren't. Right. Yeah. I think yeah, I've just I think I said this to you that there's mm-hmm. two things that it's there's this whole commercial mm-hmm, mm-hmm. need because it just costs so, so much, much to money, make yeah. a film. <laughs> but also I think this is the point I think Christian Metz made that you're so immersed in this fantasy mm-hmm. world. And I like the fact that film is so private, you know, yeah, like even yeah. compared to a novel, I think there's a way in which a novel is almost a public mm-hmm. thing. And of course a play is public because mm-hmm. the audience is there and the actors are there. But I, I like the idea that you're just, you feel like you're immersed in your own private yeah. fantasy, which is why someone yeah. talking, doing texting during the film is just a, yeah. it's a, it's a horror. It's hor- it right? is horrible. It's a horrible thing. This was the the ten pounds that would have made the uh, podcast all the better if we hadn't <laughs> had to cut it and start again. Um, so uh, yeah, we had a slight technical problem, but we're back. Um, so anyway, I wanted to talk to you about the shimmer, and Tessa Thompson talks about that it's not. They're trying to communicate with the outside, and the radio signal is not going out. But she says it's not that it's being canceled; it's being scrambled or refracted. Refracted, or, yeah. yeah. So I wonder if you think that there's an equivalent in in real life to that sort of scrambling thing. And I think it's like has to do with language. It's language, it's right? Language right. Desire, yeah. The language. What's interesting about language is it's an original scrambling, right? It's a scram- there's not an original message and then it's scrambled. It's mm-hmm. scrambled mm-hmm. from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's the form in which we have to scramble things. So I like that idea. I mean, I like the idea that the shimmer is playing these multiple roles in the film. Like on the one hand, it's it's just the natural world and the way that it that evolution develops. And then on the other hand, it's the distortion of language. Yeah. So I wonder how... Have you think what what it means to marry those two things in in a single entity like the Shimmer? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and this is why it would have been even more of a horror film if they would have gone back to just like a perfect happy marriage because of that, you know, there's no sexual relationship, but there's right. no connection right. to language as well. Um, and we also, well, I don't know if you if you have anything there. I was going to say, we're just recapping on the things that unfortunately, this is totally my fault on my laptop. I'm too much of a, a Scrooge to buy a new Apple Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this. I this is one of my favorites that I told you. Why don't you just get a new phone? And you're like, yeah, but then I have to go into the Apple store. <laughs> Actually, I think the worst experience. Anytime I go into the so-called Genius Bar, like my energy, like it's like a void. I, I just, it steals I, your genius. Ste- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I do love the fact that it's called a genius bar. I'm yeah, just like, yeah. I have to make sure I say so-called, um, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> but we were talking about the idea of, I think we were um, 
the experience of the edifice of a film and why um, film and ideology are potentially so married and why it's disturbing when you are disturbed from this like absolute dreamlike experience. Right, right. Um, and I think we were talking about film schools, which led us to Blade Runner 2049. Right, and Arrival. And Arrival. And Incendie, and Denis Villeneuve. great films yes. by Denis Villeneuve, yeah. And I really liked your point about um, in Blade Runner 2049, the kind of... Um, antagonism between the state and capitalism. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. Yeah. You were making the point that more and more today, our traditional anti-capitalist position mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily work because we marry it totally to an anti-law, anti-state mm -hmm. position. Mm -hmm. And those sometimes, often, the state and capital are at odds with each absolutely. other. I know yeah. in my department and people I deal with, they, they absolutely resist this mm -hmm. idea because mm -hmm. it so runs against the Marxist yeah. grain, which yeah. sees law is just the absolute superstructure mm -hmm. of capital. Mm -hmm. And so I find that a pretty fascinating yeah. thing. And I thought, yeah. I just, whenever they talk to me, I just say, well, watch Blade Runner 2049, yeah, 2049 yeah, yeah. and you'll see that it's... Absolutely. It's, it's interesting because I guess this is something within neoliberalism and we're talking about the idea of the protest culture and, you know, where the line between, um, you know, le as in a different analysis in terms of like a leftist perspective has to has to be taken into account when you actually see ads like mocking the police, for instance, or like right. there was the, the Pepsi ad where they're like protesting the police. You know, I think that's right, just so right. clear. And, and, when, yeah. and when people like Tim Cook come yeah. out against police violence, violence then yeah. I, you know, whenever I, whenever yeah. I see Tim Cook come out, yeah. to the, I, I almost instinctively want to take the opposite the position. position. <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously I'm not for police violence, yeah. but I do think that's pro that, that shows that there's a, there's a tension. There. Absolutely. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, there was a, you know, because we're here in Belfast and in the Wake Festival, and you gave a you gave a talk on on capitalism and identity politics. There was a Q and A afterwards, and I asked you about this line that I think that you said, but it might have been Ryan, your co-host in in White yeah, Theory, yeah. that he says that the universal is not something that applies to all particulars, but the particular that changes all particulars. And I started thinking about that, and it's just doesn't isn't that very well represented in Blade Runner? And you talked about this as well that. When the rep, there's like this underground replicant sort yeah, of movement, yeah. and like there's this there's this line that one of the women says, like, you know, you thought it was you, and you know, we all thought that it was us. So isn't that? Isn't I, I that love that, that idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a perfect example of it. Mm -hmm. I, I even think about that when I was thinking watching the film. But you're, mm -hmm. I think you're exactly right. That, so it's that lack. That yeah, that, that thing. right. But wouldn't the great Part, wouldn't the director's cut of the film be that there really isn't one of those yeah, people? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. there really, unfortunately, there really is one. Yeah. Um, but the, I, I love the idea that the fact that we're all not that mm -hmm. and that we're lacking that, that that's what unites us together as a protest movement. I think that's a beautiful yeah. way to think of it. Yeah, I think yeah. It, that's, yeah, that's, why the, that's why the new one is better than the old one because it's mm -hmm. much more Hegelian. It has mm -hmm. all these things about just like the... the, the, the the negativity or something mm -hmm. missing or also just this contradiction between the police and, mm -hmm. and uh, capitalism mm -hmm. is yeah i think it's great you know yeah. i think it's it's it is really interesting how we are at this kind of I, I, one of the things i really liked in capitalism and desire was you know the insight about how capitalism capitalized on the sexual revolution yeah and uh, how that has completely changed and almost like morphed capitalism into this thing that always evades us as something to critique um, but your point yesterday about the likes of the, the philanthropic billionaires, you know, I think is an interesting one. And Slavoj Žižek talks about this a lot, about the idea of, you know, like 5% of your Starbucks coffee going to I know, you know, yeah, yeah. Sorting your Coke cans. And, you know, these are just kind of like release valves to actually perpetuate the system right, itself. Right, It's yeah. interesting how more and more, I don't know if this, I think this was in Guardian, this mm -hmm. this capitalist came out and said we have to really make some radical changes mm -hmm. to capitalism mm -hmm. because inequality is going to mm -hmm. make it unsustainable mm -hmm. for us mm -hmm. and and he even said we don't want to live in brazil where mm -hmm. we have to live in these isolated things surrounded by armed guards mm -hmm. we want to be able to go to the grocery like everybody yeah, else yeah, yeah. and i thought okay but that's you're still the problem yeah, exactly <laughs> i know it's interesting it's like getting back to being a normal person but it is this is a, this is like this it, we were just mentioning this Peterson Zizek debate. This is something that um, I thought was quite interestingly lacking in Peterson's critique of Marxism, quote unquote, was that a complete disavowal of the idea that capitalism is profoundly antagonistic. Right. And, it, you know, inequality, like, 
the inequality will be the death of it. And uh, yeah, that, that it, it's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's. I think it, 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 it's 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 important that he focused on Communist Manifesto and not on Cap. Mm-hmm. I mean, he mm-hmm. kind of admitted I can't read <laughs> Capital. <laughs> it's too hard. But yeah. um, but but I think Capital is all about the contradictions mm-hmm. of capitalism, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and Communist Manifesto isn't, isn't about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think he ever mentions the word contradiction no. one time. time. Yeah. And it's not a Hegel. That, that's interesting. It's yeah. not a Hegelian book. And I think yeah. as Marx himself evolved, yeah. he went back to hate. Mm-hmm. Like, I think mm-hmm. initially he was really part of this left Hegelian break, more mm-hmm. of a break from Hegel. Mm-hmm. And then as he evolved, he became more mm-hmm. more and more Hegelian. Hegelian. Yeah. yeah. Don't you think that it's, I think it's interesting, that maybe the two things are not connected, but Jordan Pearson was just saying that one of the things that he finds ironic about postmodernism mm-hmm. is that, you know, it's the rejection or the skepticism of meta narratives. And that at no point does Marxism look at itself and think, you know, being self-reflective. I think that one of the mistakes that Jordan Peterson makes is that, well, one of them, <laughs> uh, is that he looks at Marxism as if it's a proposal of an alternative to yeah. capitalism. Right. But really, it's precisely that. It's mm-hmm. like capitalism for itself becoming uh, sort of self-reflective like, yeah. and analyzing right. itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. that's absolutely yeah. right. And I think that I think that. Right. And I think it's easier to make it seem like it's just it's here's an alternative. This is why capitalism is better. Yeah. And I think and I so I think that's absolutely yeah. right that it, that he wants to see it as an alternative rather than seeing it as an analysis of the internal exactly. contradictions yeah. of the problems of capitalism. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about ideology mm-hmm. in film mm-hmm. is how do you watch films? Is that how you do it? You just look at ideology or is it just sort of like ruptures in the ideology of the movie? Yeah, that's interesting. I think I probably do it the wrong way because I... But, it, which is different than... Sorry. Uh, which is different than uh, plot gaps or plot holes. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I try to, when I first see a film, completely submit myself to mm-hmm. its logic as mm-hmm. much as I can without being critical Mm -hmm. and then I try to think back about what that film asked me to do Mm -hmm. and then I think about precisely like okay where did that where what's the contradiction that that film submitted me to Mm -hmm. as a spectator because I think often I think this 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 way of being a spectator of re, the, like the idea of a resisting spectator. Yeah. I'm completely against that because I think the whole point of the filmic experience yeah. is letting yourself go over Absolutely. to something that could completely transform you. Yeah. If you don't allow for that, then why are you even just go read an essay? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, why exactly. are you even going to the cinema? So yeah. I, I I really I really insist on that that necess- and I think there was a whole strain of Marxist psychoanalytic film theory up until very not you know like 80s that was we have to be critical spectators mm-hmm. from the get-go and yeah. I think that's I feel like that's a real problem no it is true and it often like for instance when we watched La La Land the first time I watched it I kind of like enjoyed it in a way and yeah. it was only the second time we were watching it for the podcast <laughs> that I was like this is not this is not good <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right no um, but I think that's really good to yeah. allow yourself to be taken away yeah and then you can make the judgment mm-hmm. afterward mm-hmm. but I don't th- I don't think you can I don't think you should be like oh my god you know obviously I'm against racism but there was a racist image mm-hmm. now I hate everything I yeah, see yeah, in this yeah, film yeah, yeah, right yeah, so yeah, I exactly. think you have to say like okay you yeah. need to be duped by it you need yeah. to be du- right yeah, I, yeah, yeah, the non-duped air. yeah the non-duped air yeah yeah, 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 no, yeah absolutely yeah. I know this isn't exactly it it's like uh and almost it speaks to how ideology functions that you know it works right. in a sense you know right um right. but yeah no very interesting I wonder if there's any more questions about annihilation in particular well, can I just say one yeah. thing about the ending? That I like the fact that she uses her own. I already mentioned this mm-hmm. a little bit, but that she uses her own destructiveness, her own self-destructiveness, to defeat mm-hmm. the Shimmer. But mm-hmm. then, what happens at the very end when, as you point out, like we see that glimmer in mm-hmm. her eye? Mm-hmm. It's almost like there's this the the film. I wonder what you think about this. This pain, this continual struggle between yeah. our the, our death drive and some evolutionary force that is that threatens to conquer us. And yeah. It's a kind of etern- almost eternal, eternal struggle mm-hmm. between those two things. No, it's interesting. But wasn't that just? Isn't that just like sort of repetition, sort of like constituting in itself, like in the yeah, in, yeah. In the but but in a global sense, like not yeah. just repetition of a subject, but yeah. repetition in, in this kind of larger. 
almost you, ontological sense, right? Yeah. Do you think that that's something that it's it's is it part of the science fiction part of the film? Or no, I mean, I, that's what I'm, I'm wondering. Like, maybe that's the most realistic part of the film. I think science fiction like, generally part- is about how our animal, you know, we, the kind of more natural animalistic part of ourselves can destroy ourselves. It's almost like not science fiction in that sense. It's purely philosophical. Right. And then, right, yeah. Right. So do you mean this in the sense of like, just like ontological incompleteness or like the right, right. So, principle? That so is there, my, I guess my, my question is, is there on the one side this natural evolutionary force? And then on the other side, it's given birth to this mm-hmm. thing that actually struggles against it mm-hmm. through its repetition and self-destruction. Mm-hmm. That there's a, there's a force of life but there's also a force of, it's it's not of death. It's mm-hmm. a but it's it's a force of self-destructiveness that actually counters life. But then for us, that is life. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. feeds our life. That we can't have this pure life. And I think that's what was so disturbing to me about the Tessa Thompson character. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like she wanted to abandon the life-giving force of death drive yeah, yeah. in order to just become part of pure yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because, you know, things like New Age movements. Well, I think that yes, was a New, new age, age movement. movement. And yeah. the fact that she became covered by a flowers flower. is likely... <laughs> no, I mean, it's funny because I had a... I, had became, a yeah. I asked you a question yesterday about the idea of miracles. And the reason why I asked is I had a bit of an experience with New Age myself. <laughs> I, I guess I was like more of a... I studied French at college, etc. And I was like really interested in early 20th century thought. And so I would have considered myself in my late teens, like more of like an existentialist. And then this event happened in my life that I like couldn't explain. Yeah. And I, I don't know whether I was always going to become a bit new agey, but it did like push me into the new ageiness. But the new ageiness was a way to avoid the miracle, was a way to like rationalize it. Right. And I did go to like a union analyst and all this kind of stuff. And, um, but yeah, it's like, it's like, it's a death. To resign yourself to this like oneness with the universe, Absolutely. and actually, it's like right. yeah, this is returning to the womb tomb kind right. of idea, right. and that actually to live is to allow this kind of excessive, kind of horrifying aspect of the death drive, right? And alien, so, and, and it's alienating yeah. factor. Like yeah. that's, I think, the key thing yeah. that, it, that it's it's a it's a you have to reconcile yourself to alienation yeah. rather than trying to find a way, way to, to overcome it. it. Yeah. and I think. New Ageism is mm-hmm. an attempt to overcome it. And uh, yeah, and actually the alienation is the aliveness. Right, is the, right. It's right, the, right. what makes us. And it's interesting because you're talking about, um, you know, see so the idea of alienation and capitalism and the idea that it strips us of individuality. Um, how do you think that plays? Yeah, I the, wonder, I wonder, I'm going to say something that I think you're both going to disagree with. <laughs> like, I wonder if, like, the traditional critique of capitalism yeah. is that, from Marx is that it's alienating, uh-huh. right? And so what if, what if actually the problem with capitalism is that it steals our alienation from us okay. rather than... This is, you were actually making this point the other day about like equalizing, yeah. which is kind of like the opposite of alienation. Well, that's in your in book. That's at the beginning of Capitalism and Desire. So, yeah. yeah. So, the, yeah, the idea, but the equalizing is what is alienating almost. The, the ca- capitalism equalizing yeah. of everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Interesting, and it's interesting that you know almost the 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 billionaire capitalists just want to return to like a normality. They feel completely right. I mean, they want this kind of they want to they want to live in a harmonious Mm -hmm. balance, which they have, of course, an excess, which somehow doesn't disturb that balance. I know. I I love the idea of the like the foundation. I know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, I often say to my students, like, look, you can either be rich or you can be ethical, but sorry, you're not allowed to be both. Both, (laughs) I know, it's it's all fascinating. And I guess it's it's, it's, this, we could revolve around the same topics indefinitely and enjoy doing it. Isn't this like the the equalizing thing that you're saying? Mm Doesn't that have to do also with uh, the whole diversity thing? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It, it ends up being sort of the same. Mm-hmm. I, we, we saw this great meme that we were just having a laugh it's about. It's, uh, it's a guy that's saying, like, kind of protesting. Or Do you know this Lisa Simpson meme that she's, like, talking thing, to a classroom and she's angry and she's like... I don't know. You don't know, but th- there's, there's, there's a top picture that says... A guy, a guy's given us a statistic of just like you know now there's like ten men that own like the ninety nine percent of the wealth or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, Lisa Simpson at the bottom says like that's what does she say? I'm trying to find. Like, so it says it has you know the leftist position is this guy giving a lecture. 
eight men now own 50% of the world's wealth is a disgrace. And then Lisa Simpson angrily standing up and she's the liberal position saying, and at least four of them, it's an outrage, at least four of them should be women of colour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's the best. It's the yeah, best. Yeah, that's amazing. Theme. But it's interesting, you know, things like the idea that, um, you know, how something like feminism that, you know, originally has a certain, you know, seed and motivation has been capitalised on, and the idea that women would be in some way more ethical capitalists. But, you know, like the head of the CIA is a woman. Right, and like the right, top right. four. And she was not only, a, she not only the head of the CIA, she was yeah. a key part of the torture program yeah. in the Iraq war. So Yeah, and yeah. like oh, the political leaders, you know. Like Miracle, yeah, Theresa May. Theresa May, yeah. Margaret Thatcher, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, you know, yeah. quite like a conservative yeah. people. The top four arms dealers companies are run by women. Like, yeah. yeah, so the idea that this... You know, this is this kind of like fetishization of like the other, you know, like the Orientalism. There's almost right. a sort of like Orientalism. No, I think you're right. It's Orientalist. Well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. this is what I like as a, you know, in the film, film industry, you know, I totally can understand, you know, there's, there's fewer female directors than men and we can ask ourselves why, you know, obviously women have to contend with things like childbirth and like childcare, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, like the idea that a woman is going to make a sort of different kind of film I think it's kind of gross. Right. I mean, proof of that is Wonder Woman, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, it's a pretty typical well, superhero yeah, film. film. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I think like women and other people who aren't quote unquote white men should have the right to just be as horrible as everybody else. Yeah, because like yeah. they kind of are. Yeah, yeah, yeah they <laughs> like, are. Right. I certainly am. You know? right, right, <laughs> so, right. um, but yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's what you're just saying. Like it's the Orientalist yeah. view that there's some mysterious goodness yeah. in the other, in the other yeah. that if we can we should just let it be yeah. untapped and I think Slavoj says a nice thing about that he says you know we have to allow the other to be just as evil as yeah, we are yeah, yeah. yeah. but this is something as well with children I think children and new age is quite an interesting one and um, certainly I remember in the film studies aspect of my degree um, that psychoanalytic quote unquote but I think it was actually profoundly wrong in the idea of like children being like more primal and more true it's kind of like you know, the idea of this kind of like compensation mechanism <laughs> and the unconscious being like more on the surface and children's like, um, no, you know, and the children are actually kind of more dead <laughs> than adults because they don't have the same kind of subjectivity. Right. You know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So they're like half alike. They're like more zombies. <laughs> than, yeah, yeah, than, yeah, yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Look at us yeah. shitting on children. We're at this festival and there are a number of psychoanalysts and psychoanalytically minded people I think I gave Jameson away all of my symptoms and I think I've like come to a realisation about my it all revolves around childbirth and wanting children and not wanting children at the same time yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think that's how everyone I feels so. who exactly. has children it's the interesting thing about men because Jameson was also saying that you know about the idea of like women wanting children and men not wanting children potentially or men do want children I have a discussion about this all the time about like do men want, really want children does anybody want children? I mean, I do want children, but do I think I want children? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's an open, it's yeah. a really open question. Yeah. And I think a lot of times no one ever makes the decision. decision. Yeah. You know, we were, we had to make the decision because mm-hmm. my spouse, uh, her, her uterus was damaged. Yeah. So we had to do a, a yeah, thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we had to make this. But even then, we didn't really make the decision. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we just yeah, kind of yeah. like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And yeah. Then, somebody was actually saying to yesterday, well, why doesn't why doesn't Helen just like poke a hole in a condom? And I'm like, that's like murder in reverse. I don't know if anybody could do that to a man. Yeah, I think it's like be... so unethical. Oh my God. I, it's the kind of thing you like, people think about murder, but you'd yeah. never do it. Yeah. But it's like, this that's like stealing biology from someone. Yeah, to even think it's, about oh, that is pretty bad. I think it would make a good film, like a Kramer versus Kramer <laughs> type thing where the woman's done that. I don't know. <laughs> so I... I want to go back to the film just to close. Yeah. Yes. Um, the part, so we were talking about the Anthropocene and all of that yes. is like becoming a geological factor. Do you think that it's sort of like a radical position to not have children now? I, I think it's an ethical position for mm-hmm. sure. And I think, I do think, it's funny because I know a lot of friends of mine that are having three. Mm-hmm. And I find that unconscionable. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I think... I think two should be. I, mm-hmm. I'm. 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 I feel pretty radical in this. Like I think there should be a planetary mm-hmm. <laughs> limit of two. Like most people, I think would choose to have one or zero, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the two is the max. Yeah. And then we and because that would make the survivability of the planet much more feasible. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. so. I feel like 
you know, this idea that you're free to have as many, I don't see how that's a, I don't understand that as a right, frankly. Mm-hmm. I just don't yeah. understand mm-hmm. it. And it isn't freedom. It's not freedom. No, yeah. no. And in fact, most of the people that are that are having multiple are forced into it yeah. by either religious or the, by their spouses. So I think, I think it's yeah. a, I think it's a, just a, a, a horrible like that multiple thing is horrible. We were we, Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say this is kind of an interesting thing about like millennials and children, how none of us can afford to have children. So that's that's like the capitalism has like done the uh, what's the word. The, uh, the dirty work for the us. dirty work for us. Although it's the <laughs> it, capitalism is what's responsible for the excess yes, because yeah. the, it requires this reserve army of the, the unemployed, unemployed in yeah. order to keep. I mean, yeah. that's what's interesting about immigration, right? Mm-hmm. Like immigration mm-hmm. does such a double mm-hmm. work for the right mm-hmm. because on the one hand, it gives them the enemy to recruit mm-hmm. people to their position who otherwise wouldn't be right wingers. But on the other hand, it gives all the businesses labor yeah. that to yeah. put. Like when I, whenever yeah. anybody yeah. says they do the jobs that we won't do. I'm like, okay, interesting. Yeah. But if you had to pay people in a slaughterhouse, yeah. what you would have to pay them if yeah. there wasn't yeah. illegal labor, yeah. Yeah. like they then would people would want to do it, do it yeah, no, because you'd make a hundred dollars an hour or exactly. something. So then people yeah. would be like, okay, I don't, yeah. it's not great, but I'm getting so much money. I'll do it. So yeah. it's a, it's a not exactly like they'll do the yeah. work we don't want to do. No, no, no. They do the work we don't want to do. I always think that like neoliberalism, you know, the the scrambling of all the positions, it's almost cleverly cast a union type position as like something that's not quite right on, you know, that it's kind of like a redneck thing or... Right, you know, right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, so it's like to, to protest and ask as a working class person. It's interesting the role of the working class in neoliberalism, I think it's an interesting one. Mm. But yeah, it's almost like... It's all right to protest about the environment, but it's not all right to protest about like wages and rights for like poor you know working class people right yeah. right 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 because they're trump supporters <laughs> Trump supporters, exactly exactly well they could be bernie supporters yeah, yeah. well the, the overlap is, in, is fascinating, fascinating to my mind yeah i just was reading a ton of stuff in the guardian about how all of these high level democratic donors mm-hmm. are, are they don't know what to do because they think both Warren and Bernie mm-hmm. are totally unacceptable mm-hmm. and that they've polluted all the other mm-hmm. candidates mm-hmm. and the other candidates won't even meet with them. Mm-hmm. And so now they're giving money to Trump. So they're, they're all these never Trump Democratic donors mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. on Wall Street who are like, well, I can't support Bernie or Warren, mm-hmm. so I guess I'm going to have to support Trump. So it's a, I think I, I like that. I, I want yeah. them supporting yeah, yeah, Trump. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like, yeah, you, you can't, you know, at least with Trump, he's so bad, you can't get away with it. Yeah, but also, like, like the, fuck those guys. We don't yeah, want yeah, them yeah, on yeah, our yeah, side. That's yeah. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. could actually almost be a way to motivate people to realize. No, of course, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. say, look, I turned off all these yeah. Democrats. Like, yeah, so yeah. I'm, you yeah. want to you support, support me? me. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you have another point about the film? Before we close, I felt like you were going to this on the tip of your tongue. No, no, no. When we were talking about not having kids, I was yeah. just like, should we end on that happy, positive note? Like, yeah, let's, <laughs> not, let's end on yeah, Don't have kids. <laughs> don't I mean, have kids. kids, don't have kids. What's the what's the Kierkegaard? Marry, don't marry, you'll be miserable. <laughs> don't have kids, don't have kids, you'll be miserable. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. Thanks, Todd. Thank oh, you so thank much. You. Thank, thank you. you. Bye.